very high expectation of what I've always thought this franchise is, and that was the best franchise in sports. In the moments where we are down, as players, we got to execute. Every day, I'm so fortunate to be a part of this team. This is 49ers Plus Minus. Hey, Tim Kawakami here with my co-host for 49ers Plus Minus, Matt Barrow. Stay after a rather epic moment for 49ers playoff history. I think it's the greatest game in the Kyle Shanahan era. Clearly, the, I think their greatest playoff moment, and maybe great is a little, since they played so crappy in the first half that made the second half so exciting and, and so historic. Uh, Matt Barrows, you're just day after, you know, we're almost 24 hours exactly after the ending of that game, uh, recording this on Monday. What are you, what's bouncing around in your head right now? Yeah, I mean, it certainly was a compelling game. Um, the greatest game, um, I don't know, not not in terms of quality, um, yeah. uh, for sure. Um, you know, playoff games, the, the greatest one probably was the uh, NFC Championship against Green Bay back in the 2019 season when they just rolled up on the Packers, 220 uh, yards. Yeah, I'm any more like dramatic, you know, significant, memorable, like we're going to remember – and how many moments from the Green Bay game do you remember? Like Raheem Mostert running right, Raheem Mostert running left, and that's about all I remember. Yeah, no, for uh, sure. Like I mean, one, I like was seven, asked, um, yeah, seven or eight different plays I'm going to remember for a long time from this game. Yeah, I was asked the other day to to rank the NFC Championship games that I've covered. So this is since uh, you know Harbaugh came in, and um, the top one to me is always going to be that one in Seattle yep. in the 2013 season. Uh, I liken that to the the Trojan War. Um, I mean, it was just such. I mean, that was the Super Bowl that year. Whoever won that game was going to trounce in the Super Bowl, and and the, and the Seahawks did that. Uh, just in terms of just what was at stake, the atmosphere, just the level of play, two heavyweights, and then after that, um, I had uh, I had the Giants game from uh, two years prior to that, which I thought was another heavyweight bout but I, I think i would put uh this game above that um so this this one probably moves well, it, it's the, a win uh, it's a win barrel so you got the two losses at the top of the top well it's two, true but i'm just talking two. about um hard fought compelling um just uh really kind of epic old school football games Yep. Um, you know, th- this one was uh, was really interesting. One team was great in the first half. One team was great in the second half. Their stats, Tim, at the end of the day, their stats were remarkably similar. They were like uh, mirror images of one another uh, with the 49ers, obviously, um, doing better at the end and then coming out on top. That's why those fourth down plays. I don't think they necessarily won or lost the game, although they were a huge part. Just the decisions maybe – didn't win or lose the games. The the events of them held, you know, were huge parts in winning or losing the game. Because when you it's balanced that closely, not getting six points there, guess how much they lost by? They lost by three, uh, the, the Lions. So uh, on these narrow margins, do these you know, sometimes these huge games do tilt? Uh, and I mean, you know, my general thing, you know, a day later, I'm going to write something tonight. We'll, we'll publish tomorrow morning. I, you know, I always write about Kyle and I always write about Purdy, but I do think this was lasting proof of the Kyle Shanahan thing, which is just, you don't put it on one fourth down try, right? You don't put it on one play. This one play in the third quarter is going to decide the game. 
He, he plays it out. He plays it out. He, he has belief that his players and his scheme will win at the very end. He will wear you down. He will out-strategize you, not in one play, but in 65 offensive plays, in 66 defensive plays. Uh, doesn't always mean you win. I should point that out. And he hasn't won some of these games. But I think this game, when you look at what Dan Campbell did, which is kind of like, let's just keep rolling every game, every play. Let's win it with one play. And I understand some of this, but we saw who won this game. It's the guy who wasn't doing that. Not that Shanahan had a lot of chances to do it, and he had to speed it up because he was down by 17. But I don't know that he would have gone for it in those two fourth down plays that Detroit did. And the guy who, who rolls the dice, the guy who played for one play, is the one who lost, and I think it's it's just pretty notable. You know, I'm feeling that one, you know, one day later, and Shanahan again is kind of a long game in his career. He's in his seventh season, hasn't won a Super Bowl, is going to his second one, playing Andy Reid, who what you know coached 17 years, whatever it was, 15 years before he won a Super Bowl, and and felt some pressure about that. I just think there's some. It's, it's what I'm feeling right now from this game, from looking ahead to the Super Bowl and a day after what we just experienced. Any thoughts about all that, Matt? Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you totally. I mean, your, um, your, your phrase about, I forget how you phrased it to Shanahan. You coach like an old man or you, you have some old, uh, old timer coach. tendencies. Old coach. You, you coach like an old coach. Old coach. He did but not you, love that. He did not but, love that. But you're right. Uh, Dan Campbell coached like a new coach, uh, like a young coach, like – um, a guy who is, was recently a player and, and was kind of thinking like a player, like, um, you know, let's, let's keep the momentum. Uh, players always want to go for it. And uh, Dan Campbell did. It, the 49ers have been, I mean, fourth down um, has been a key to them in, in the playoffs so far. They stopped the Packers on that fourth and one. Um, Javon Hargrave and who was it? Dre Greenlaw was, was the other guy that came in there. Uh, and then they stopped him twice uh, last night. So um, that's really been a huge, huge turning point for them. It really has sort of um, sparked their, you know, the, 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 they were losing, losing, losing. And then something happens in these two games and uh, they start to regain momentum. One of the big things was these fourth down plays. Literally bend, but don't break. You bend, 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 bend a fourth down in your own territory and stop them. Uh, I, I did think that, like Bosa talked about it, like, you know, they finally got Goff to move off his spot. And it was Bosa who got him to move off his spot. And as you have been noting and you noted during the game, you make him move his feet and the ball goes a little askew. Now, that wasn't a terrible pass. It was dropped, uh, but it was rushed. The whole play was rushed because Bosa was in there. He was, you know, making Jared Goff have to do something he didn't want to do. And as Marcus Thompson wrote about Purdy, we see the other the other comparison is that he can Brock Purdy moves off his spot. Probably shouldn't move off his spot more. What, what did Kittle say when he's asked about Purdy's running? Like, please do it more. <laughs> Why don't you do it more? Don't want to get you hit. Maybe you could slide, but like that activates the four niners offense. It doesn't mess him up. He's good throwing on the move, and he can also get around people. He's got that little burst uh, that showed up in his combine workouts. Right, he's got that burst. And it's a weapon, you know, it's a especially weapon if the defense doesn't know if you're going to throw it or you're going to run. And with Goff, you know, he's going to try to throw it because he can't run and it's going to be wild. You know, Patrick Mahomes can do either. And on a lesser scale, I would say Brock Purdy can do either. And 
these are huge things, you know, in a game like that, that those, those two 21 yard runs, like we're naming plays here. You know, we could go, I keep thinking like, what was the biggest play? Barros, what, what I was thinking the Gibbs fumble might've been really the biggest play because it just was bam. It was one of those bam, bam. Okay. Detroit's going to steady it here. And then immediately fumble and foreigners have it in their territory. But I could name, you know, the you catch was gigantic. Yeah. The fourth down stop was gigantic. The two Purdy runs were gigantic. The McCaffrey run down into the red zone uh, for the touchdown to kind of seal it. W- give me, give me your one or two most important plays in that game. Yeah, I mean, um, uh, it'd be interesting to hear what Shanahan thinks of that because he did cite. He, he was asked about the IU play, and he. Um, said that um, that was the one that sort of uncorked everything else. The, the, the Gibson fumble, forced fumble, came on the series after that. Uh, but I, I would go also with the, the Gibson play because the, the Lions were just pushing the 49ers around to that point. And uh, I know there was a lot of talk about you know what the 49ers said at halftime and how they came out angry and intent on reversing things in the third quarter. They really didn't. I mean, um, they got a field goal off of that uh, initial drive in the third quarter, and uh, but the on defense that that first Lions drive, they were successful. They were still bludgeoning them on the ground, um, and it didn't seem like anything really had changed defensively for the 49ers until the Gibson play, and it was a um, an interesting call, another interesting call by the Lions. Um, they've got a great uh, between-the-tackles runner and, and David Montgomery. On this one, they sent uh, Jameer Gibbs, uh, a rookie, up the middle and um, had the ball knocked out, and that was uh, that was the difference. I mean, I forget. I, I, uh, I counted it up. I think they uh, the Lions had 168 rushing yards until that point, and they had something like 12 from that point forward. I mean, the, the 49ers just um, – uh, capitalized on that, they, uh, they they started to to rally from that play defensively for sure, and they played the run um, a lot better from that point forward. So uh, I'd go with that one. Um, the the Purdy escapes were huge. I mean, I, I talked about these two teams being twins. That was one area where they yep. were yep. really different. One guy was not good on the move. The other guy was excellent. And it wasn't just the runs. It was Purdy escaping and then finding an open receiver. Um, Ayuk had that one diving play. He could have come up with the ball. He didn't, but that would have been a, a, a big play for the 49ers. There was the escape that led to the uh, Kyle Juszczyk toe tap yep. on the sideline. That was an amazing escape. I, I don't know how the, uh, the lions missed. He was under that. the defensive lineman. I thought like he was literally under the guy and then. Yeah. Away. Uh, it was a, it was a blitzing safety, but, okay. um, and, and you would think that a safety could get low enough to, to take the uh, pretty down, but he wriggled free of that one. And so uh, I think there was one more, um, the, one to use check, the other one to use check when he kind of like spun to his left and then threw it to his right. And well, yeah, the one it. to Jennings too, where Jennings, Jennings spied also, with, yep, with yep. one hand and brought it down. So, I mean, a lot of improv uh, in this game, and that's going to be the story of, of the Super Bowl. you got two quarterbacks who really have shown a knack for um, creativity. And, um, you know, we, we know that about Mahomes, and we've seen that in spurts with Purdy. Um, but mostly, Tim, in games where they're down, that that, uh, that game against the, uh, the, the Bengals, for example, he had to – try to come back and he had some really kind of creative throws back to the middle of the field. Um, 
shows that he can do that. And I know that was a knock on him, but um, he does seem to have this, this rare balance of being able to throw out of the pocket and being able to be a standard quarterback and be the Kyle Shanahan, um, you know, sort of the arm to Kyle Shanahan's brain, but he also can kind of think for himself and, and be creative and, uh, and ad lib. And he did that quite a bit on Sunday. Could you see just spinning this head briefly? I don't want to just talk about the Chiefs because there's many, many days to talk about this Super Bowl matchup. But you think maybe this is going to be a game where you let Purdy do more? Like you just, just it's shown that he has started off very slowly with their normal way of playing in this in these playoffs. And maybe it's and there's a whole bunch of factors that could be leading into it. But given the Chiefs interior pass rush or pass rush in general, which we saw. They were all over Lamar Jackson, and we know Chris Jones can knock down passes, right? We've seen that in the Super Bowl in two very, very important moments against Jimmy Garoppolo. Like, I, I think Purdy could likes to get outside. Like, you know, it's hard for him to throw it when he's pressure in his face. Green Bay got pre- pressure in his face, and that kind of puts the ball up, right? He has to throw the ball over these these arms. He's not six foot five, but he can throw it on the level of these guys. Uh, and you get him outside. I know it's not entirely the the Shanahan playbook, but yeah, these, those outside zone runs can give you a fake play action and boot the other way. He, he used to do that all the time. Well, the Shanahan's or that system used to do it all the time. Like Jake Plummer, guys like that. Um, I'm thinking maybe you want to get away from Chris Jones. That's what I'm thinking. Like just set up, set the pocket where you want to, but get it away from 95. Cause that guy can be a terror on quarterbacks. Yeah. The problem with a defensive tackle is that uh, it's hard to get away from them. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, they, they like to run that play where, where Purdy rolls, you know, really wide out to one side and then he's throwing deep yeah. to the other side of the field. That's uh, that's one of their, their sort of red. It definitely cleans play. out the pocket. It definitely cleans out the throwing lane for him. Yeah, it buys him extra time and uh, gives him uh, room to really kind of step in and and um, deliver the ball deep downfield. Um, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I mean, uh, it, what's uh, what's interesting is that the 49ers path to the Super Bowl this year is a lot like the Chiefs was back in 19. Remember the Chiefs were losing all of their yeah, playoff yeah. games and they came storming back in the end. And of course they did that in the, uh, in the Super Bowl as well against the 49ers. That was their MO that year. And it seems to be the 49ers MO this year. Um, you know, the, the, there's something to be said about, okay, we got to go for broke. We're just going to, um, you know, be aggressive. Uh, that throw to Ayuk that uh, they're calling the immaculate deflection, <laughs> one of the greatest uh, playoff plays for the 49ers and 49ers history. Um, that was just an aggressive throw. I mean, we both we both noticed it at the time. Drop back, step right into it. Um, I thought that that ball was either going to be picked off or um, an incompletion by a, a good, you know, five to eight yards. Uh, so, um, you know, it was an aggressive deep down, down the field throw. Um, did it remind you of, uh, of the, of the Garoppolo throw in, in Miami at all? <laughs> I was thinking about that. That was a little different angle. Like, you know, that was more like roll. Wasn't it like roll step a little bit right and throw left? I think that one was uh, a little tougher throw, I think just on the angle, but yes, absolutely. Like that was that throw, uh, generally. Um, but little you know a little different because um i think purdy just throws a better deep ball <laughs> you know mostly you know jimmy missed that they didn't go over the top very much they, boy doesn't go over the top very much this game and and at times 
don't, that's not really a big part of their thing, but Purdy does like it to get it downfield. He does like to throw it 20, 25 yards downfield when he can. And I, as my thing is, I just think similar to that, Emmanuel Sanders was Garoppolo's guy. Like that's the guy he was going to risk it for and Kittle like he did in the Super Bowl. But if he's going to make a throw like that, it was going to be Sanders. It, Brandon Ayuk is, is Brock Purdy's guy. Like he, he would not have thrown that ball to, you know, my guy, Chris Conley, or even Debo probably, because Debo just doesn't run that route very often. It was, it was Ayuk. So he just said, he said, I got my guy going one-on-one. The safety had cut to the, to the under more underneath Debo route. So I go, I'm going to give my guy a shot at the ball. And, you know, you can criticize Purdy for saying, throwing a near interception, but I think Shanahan legitimately loved it. He loved that read. He loved that throw. That's where you're supposed to throw is what he said. Now I was sitting next to you. I'm going, George Kittle's wide open, eight yards. It was first and 10, I think. George Kittle's right there for like an eight-yard run, and maybe knowing him breaks a tackle and it's 15. He didn't want that one. And we've seen now that from Purdy a lot, where he doesn't that open underneath stuff. Yeah, let me go see what I can do deep. And that was trust in, in number 11. Uh, it was the full faith that I got make, let my guy make a play, and hell, my God, I made a play. That was I could not believe that that was a catch. I, I just thought the ball had hit the ground, and it had not hit the ground. And yet another massive play in that third quarter full of massiveness uh, for, for the 49ers. Um, anything else? Any other uh, major moments? I, I will say I, I think the interior of the 49ers offense line, not a new issue, not something that other people haven't pointed out, but – Man, they got beat again in this game. Like they were giving up stuff up the middle. Purdy was getting hit from guys up the middle, and I don't think these are all pros that the Lions were sending him. Uh, you know, Aiden Hutchinson is, is an outside guy. He got to him a couple times. He's a tough player, but the the inside pressure. And if you're looking ahead to the Super Bowl with the Chiefs and Brock Purdy being six foot one, all these things, and and they got to Jimmy. You know, when he's six foot two. That is something I think uh, they have are they're going to have to think long and hard about how they're going to figure out to throw the ball or or run the ball in the middle, which they haven't done very well in the playoffs. Run the ball in the middle. Um, this is this is you know they haven't invested much in the guard center guard. This is something that you know I think we'll all be looking at in the Super Bowl. Yeah, um, the Super Bowl, the matchup was Mike Person um, at that right guard spot, and that's that's how they had treated that right guard spot uh, since Shanahan got there. They're, they were content to sort of give that job to, to journeyman guards, and it looked like this year, okay, we're going to have a legit you know um, prospect there in Spencer Burford. Uh, and Burford's a, a terrific athlete, you know, the most athletic of their – uh, interior lineman, former tackle in college, uh, but he's lost his job to dot 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 a journeyman guard. Um, you know, John Feliciano's there, and, and Feliciano's played well, but um, you know, physically, th- this is a, a mismatch for the Chiefs. Um, it, it'll be interesting to see how the 49ers attack that. Uh, but you're right. I mean, that's going to be um, a, a problem area. It's a problem area for for any right guard. Uh, and for any team, but um, this is something that kind of upset the, the 49ers um, uh, in the big game. And, and, and again, we, we're talking about the Super Bowl. Uh, these two teams played each other last year in week seven. The 49ers got blown out. Um, yeah. their, their worst performance of the season, well, uh, before they went to, to Philadelphia, 
but um, their first fully healthy quarterback game. It was Jimmy Garoppolo. It was Jimmy. It was Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah, yeah, it was Garoppolo at that yeah. point. It was uh, uh, Christian McCaffrey's first game. Um, but yeah, that's going going to be um, a really interesting matchup. Uh, I, I I wonder how many um, other players you got. You got Mahomes. You got Kelsey. You've got him. Chris Jones, um, I, I don't think there's very many other Chiefs uh, who are in that. Josh uh, Duval said there's eight on both teams from uh, the, on the Super Bowl. Let me see if I can figure out. Chargarius Ward, of here, me looking, yeah, It was on the other team, yeah. But, uh, it was on the other team. Uh, there was a bunch of guys. like you, yeah, you wouldn't have remembered their names. I'm looking it up now. It's just, this is great audio as I do this. Here we go. Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Chris Jones, Harrison Butker, McCole Hardman, James Winchester, Nick Allegretti, and Blake Bell. The great Blake Bell. The uh, Bell does. 49, yeah. 49ers, Nick Bosey, Debo Samuel, George Kittle, Fred Warner, Dre Greenlaw, Eric Armstead, Kyle Juszczyk, and Mitch, Mitch Wisnowski. The uh, bigger names, certainly, on the 49ers side. Uh, but we know that they have kept this core together. And the name from the Chiefs that obviously is the one that catches your eye since he made that huge play on third and 11 to start the kind of the, uh, the avalanche for the Chiefs is Tyreek Hill. Uh, the Chiefs have gone on to win a Super Bowl since without Tyreek Hill, but I think that does make a difference. It makes a difference for the 49ers for sure has made a difference. I think Mahomes, we know the Mahomes numbers are not, have not been great. He's still the best quarterback in the league, but the numbers aren't as great. Um, I'll throw this out there if you want to do some bullet board stuff. I have avoided it because I don't want to do bulletin board stuff, but I think the 49ers are better off facing the Chiefs, even though it's Mahomes, than they would against the Ravens, who they were clearly not matched up well with on Christmas. Yeah, people were asking me that before the game, and uh, to me it's it's six of one, half a dozen of the other. I mean, um, the Ravens have the much better defense. Um, the Chiefs have Mahomes, and, and Mahomes is is starting to play like Mahomes. And, um, yeah, to me, that's, that's a little scarier. I think, uh, if, if I had to pick, uh, the better opponent for the 49ers, I would have picked the Ravens, um, just because of Mahomes and, and just the magic. I mean, you're, you're never safe. It's almost why a scenario where the chiefs jump out to a big lead, um, and then the 49ers come back that, that that's almost preferable. <laughs> um, because um, you're, you're making the, the 49ers sort of the pursuers rather than Patrick Mahomes, who's so comfortable in that position. Um, so I don't know. Uh, Tell that but, to Shanahan. Let him know that that's the strategy. Let him <laughs> score early. You know, let him score early. Well, I mean, Shanahan might not uh, have any say in that, the way that th this team has started games. And I thought that that was one of the more interesting comments after the game. It was Nick Bosa. I asked Nick Bosa, I said, Looking back, does the fact that you guys got the number one seed so early, um, do you do you think that that um, you know had ramifications on how this team has played in the playoffs? And he doubled down on that notion. He said, not only that, we we weren't playing very well at mm -hmm. the end of the season, so it's been a while since we've been playing to our potential. He said that we we've gotten up for big games and. I think he was obviously talking about the Cowboys game in week five, and he was talking Eagles, about Eagles, the Eagles, Eagles game, game um, week 13. I forget what week that is, uh, December 3rd. Um, but um, we haven't been that consistent throughout the year. And, and he wasn't pointing fingers or, you know, this wasn't a big critique. He's saying this is a long season, and you're going to have these streaks like that. 
and when you're as good as the 49ers have been, you tend to go on a down streak towards the end of the season. You just don't have to win anymore. And um, I, I think that they're, they're kind of still trying to find their way. Shanahan was not happy today. I asked him about um, the edge and how the Packers and the Lions keep bludgeoning the 49ers on the edge in the running game. Um, and I think there's a, a, a common belief that it, it has to do with, with the edge players, Chase Young being um, public enemy number one. And, and he did not have a consistently great game, but it wasn't always him. And that's what Shanahan was saying. It's, it's the pursuit was lazy on some of these plays, on both of those long touchdowns. Um, the Jameer Gibbs one, which was the one in the second quarter, that's the one where Tashawn Gibson misses the initial tackle. But you've got three defensive linemen just kind of trotting down the line of scrimmage there, waiting for somebody else to make the play. All three of those guys, if they had been going um, 100 miles, 100% at that point, they could have made the tackle. I mean, it would have been a first down. They would have been close to scoring, but it wouldn't have been a TD on that play. And that's something, you know, um, I, I'm, I'm sure it just bothers these coaches to no end to see a lack of hustle on some of these. What, what, what else are you playing for? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this yeah, is wait, it. Is this a big game or not? I'm not sure. The NFC Championship game? And that's the whole uh, defensive line mentality. We, we have so many defensive linemen up on game day that you have to play – um, 100 miles per hour on every snap. We'll take you out of the game if you're tired, but we want you, you going as fast as you can on every play, and that's just not happening on some of these plays. I I, uh, I mean, obviously, I don't know the, the X's and O's in the scheme. I just think in a wide nine, your linebackers are not – they're stacked. They're in the middle because the the ends are, are way outside, near the numbers sometimes. So how can the linebackers – be the ones who are, you know, even close to setting the edge. They're chasing to the edge, but they're not on the edge. Maybe that, you know, the cornerbacks. I mean, we see Lenore, you know, stick his nose in there. Maybe it's the cornerbacks who they're expecting, but you know, they got pass routes they got to cover too. I'm not. I this just goes back to the early days. Remember, like you know, Lamar in his early days was like doing the RPOs, and the Solomon Thomas was crashing in every single time. And I'd ask Solomon is that what he's supposed to do? Isn't he supposed to? And he'd say, Oh no, that's what he's supposed to do. He's doing his job. I've never quite understood this, the, the way they play their defensive ends. Obviously it's, it's been morphed into the wide nine, but I kind of think the defensive end is supposed to hold the edge or at least some of the time they never want to say it. They're never going to give us the exact reason. Shanahan probably would say it about the offense. He does. He tends not to be very specific about the defensive assignments because he's not the defensive coordinator, but I don't know. I just, it feels like the defensive end should have more <laughs> outside uh, responsibilities in my mind. I'm going to keep saying it and, uh, maybe I'm wrong, but it just seems like a lot to ask Dre Greenlaw to be in the middle. Essentially, they're both middle. They're essentially both middle linebackers. Neither one of them is lining up off of anybody's outside shoulder. They're inside, and to chase. And you got to you got to be the person. You might get hit in the flow just because, but from somebody coming through the line instead of being just being positioned on the outside and and setting that edge. But that's me. I'm going to argue with Kyle about that one. I think how clearly my X and O superiority will will come through over time on the, on that one. Um, but it, 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 you can tell Barros and I are a little groggy right now. We're both a little tired. We both have had long days after a long day yesterday, 
Uh, I believe Barrows was like on a talk show circuit where, where you have your publicist kind of shopping around <laughs> all the talk shows. Yeah, and it's just it's just winding up too. I mean, uh, <laughs> I'm very popular in Belgium and Germany now, apparently. <laughs> well, of course, I would accept that totally. But yeah, it's it, it it didn't take long for the uh, the radio shows to really kind of uh, turn up the heat uh, as far as these two Super Bowl teams. So it's we're gonna we're gonna be getting a lot of attention from uh, WKRP and. In Vancouver and, and places like that. I turned, I turned those down. My my day at adventure started yesterday when my car broke down on the Bayshore Freeway, driving down to Levi's. Uh, it was not fun going uh, 60 miles per hour, and all of a sudden I was going 20 miles per hour, and cars were flying past me. I dumped it in a Brisbane uh like side parking lot by a fishing hole and i just kept it took a lift to the game and i just kept it there and it did not get towed i was there this morning and i waited two hours for uh, a tow truck to get there in the sun uh there was not a lot of shade uh i got it it's all done barrels it wasn't stolen it wasn't broken into amazingly uh david lombardi gave me a ride home last night i will thank him very much as we stopped by to make sure the car was still there uh, and, uh, and I took my golf clubs out. It was just this long whole thing. It was like such a relief to get it done, but it's also quite tiring. <laughs> I, I am, and I got to write a column tonight just to try and explain er the whole situation to everybody. It was a long ass day. And yesterday was an even longer ass day. So, uh, a little what, peek into the, the fun. What did you put into your location that allowed the, yeah, that's I was scared about that because like, you know, the car could barely move. So I'm trying to drive it somewhere where I think there's a location, but so then when I got out of the car and took the lift, I hit something. It was just Sierra Point Parkway shows up. Like it's not a, you know, they come to a parkway. I hit it. said three minutes. The car showed up. Like, like I had to wave them down. It's like, okay, this will be, I guess will be okay. Maybe I should move it. I thought about moving it late last night, but I didn't want to put David and his, uh, his wife through that <laughs> after the, driving me, like trying to follow me down a dark road to try to find where, somewhere to park. Like, you know, there were some hotels on the other side. There's a double tree on the other side. Oh, of the right, right, right. Yeah. So like, if I could get maneuver it around the, uh, uh, the the parkway and over the bridge, I, you know, maybe would have been a better spot. But I don't I was not confident that I could get the car that far. So and you don't want it to just expire. Right. Just there. You're right on the road. So uh, it took the tow truck today a while to find it. Uh, and that's like, oh, great. When am, am my phone's going to run out? I'm in this, you know, what am I going to do? I'm like, you know, a half mile from anywhere where I could like even think about, you know, hailing somebody down. It was a, a wild experience, but it's over. The car's in the shop. I may never see it again, but just that, just that was such a relief, Barrows. Oh my God. I was thinking about it. I hate to say it. I was thinking about it all day yesterday in this incredible monumental game and obviously focus on the game, but I'm also like, my car is in Brisbane right now, and I don't know what the hell's happening to it. Well, I think you should get a new car and then take that to Vegas, and then you can use it to uh, take us from uh, the Luxor to uh, Lake Vegas, which is where the, the 49ers are staying. Yeah. So I think they're staying basically the same spot they stayed when they had the, uh, the joint practices mm, with the, okay. the Raiders out in Henderson, Nevada. Yep, yep. Uh, alas, I am taking a new strategy on this one. I am not going to the first week, you know, like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I'm coming in Friday just for the ball game. Uh, we got plenty of people there. We got Matt Barrows there. So what else do you need? We got all our national people there. I'm coming in Friday for the game. 
Um, I, I just I don't mind skipping okay. all that mess. Now there's some good stuff there too, and I understand. You know, I'm going to be missing some things, and but I've done like ten Super Bowls. You don't get a ton of stuff from your team. You get the other stuff at the Super Bowl, uh, and I've done enough of those. We'll see. Maybe it's a mistake by me, but um, I, we've got the national people. They'll come in. There's some good stories I've seen on the budget. I'm not going to na name them, of course, but there's some good stories there. The national people, they're, they're very good. Uh, I'll do some stories this week, do maybe one or two different kind of stories next week on the 49ers. It's also Warriors trade deadline next week, which is part of the thinking of me not going there and uh, coming on Friday for the ball game. It's a little different tack I'm taking. Maybe it's the wrong one, but I'm turning the Super Bowl week over to others, including. Right, I'm going to be crushing it on. Uh, I'm going to be crushing it on Radio Row while you're. you're <laughs> That's one of the main reasons I am not going. It was. <laughs> I don't want any part of that. But we'll get barrels on our our show. We'll still do our show. <clears throat> You'll be in Vegas. I'll be here. But you'll you'll give you'll give me the feel of it. Oh yeah, I'll give you the sights and sounds from yeah, um, from great. from the strip and also from from Henderson, which is where uh, the 49ers will be. We, we'll have to kind of bus out there every day to to talk to them. And they've got the late window of mm -hmm. uh, of media. It's it's like five o'clock. It's late in the day. Jesus, that's so. pretty late East Coast. I always think they try to move it up early on the on the West Coast. Uh, situation because they want it earlier in the East, but well, it is not. for the Chiefs, so uh, there's going to be a lot of Chiefs coverage because of that. I think they're they're, they're going to be the ones who get inundated, maybe more so than the 49ers. But the 49ers are practicing at UNLV, right? So they're practicing yeah. near the Strip. They're just going to be busing back and forth from from uh, right. Lake Las Vegas. So, okay, all right. Well, there's a little there's a little uh, color, a little uh, dead week Super Bowl adventure for me and for you. I did ask for any questions people might have, since we got so many good ones last time I asked. Barros, you ready to fire up a couple of questions people have for us? Yeah, we got a good one from uh, Matthew Staggs, who asks, uh, are some of the defense's struggles tied to the injuries of Cleveland Farrell and Tala Noah Hufanga? I'll, I'll let you go first on that one. Well, I think Hufanga, is, it's a great point to make. Um you know, I, I don't think, I mean, Gibson obviously had a huge play. He's, he would have started anyway. You have Jair Brown in his place, uh, in Hufanga's place this game. Last game, it was Logan Ryan. Like maybe, not maybe, definitely Hufanga would have had more impact on the game than Logan Ryan did last week and probably more than Jair Brown. I like Jair Brown. I've said so. He's fast. You know, there's definitely a speed element that you don't have with Hufanga and you don't have with Gibson either. But uh, Hufunga makes plays. He's around the ball. Like, you know, things shake loose because Hufunga's around. Receivers know where he is. Just a playmaker. And I think they are missing that maybe a little bit. Now, some of these run fits, some of these, you know, where you see a, a red jersey flash by the runner and just miss him. Hufunga would, would at least get a hand on him, get a shoulder on him. Um, I hadn't really thought about that. And it's a great point. You know, it, you just never know what the key element from somebody really might be until you, he's not there anymore. And some of these run, you know, these 18 yard gashes, maybe you would expect it, you know, number, you know, Hufanga to, to be there and make it a, an eight yard play, or maybe even, you know, get us fumble, uh, force a fumble. I think the Hufanga thing is a great point to make. And I think they do miss him. Well, I had the same reaction about Farrell. Like you don't appreciate somebody until that person's not there. Farrell, uh, 
you know, gets hurt in, in week 18 and, and nobody seems to bat an eyelash, but he was their base down guy. He was the guy who was good at setting an edge. And um, what he was most known for, I'm speaking like he's, he's passed away, what he is most known for in the 49ers is that um, he's their hustle guy. I mean, he really kind of goes all out on every play. And those are the two things that this team has been missing these first two weeks. Uh, of the playoffs. So, um, yeah, I think that the 49ers definitely miss Farrell. Um, I'm, I'm wondering whether he's a guy that they bring back next year. Um, you know, I can see it. I can see it. Like I said, yeah. Farrell, um, Chase Young, Randy Gregory, these are all unrestricted free agents. I think that there's one lesson that we've learned this year is that they, they need to have two good defensive ends. They, uh, and I'm not saying that Farrell is the, um, the twin to Nick Bosa moving forward, but uh, he at least allows you to, to develop pass rushers. So you could continue to develop uh, Drake Jackson and, um, and their rookie from, from Georgia this year um, as a pass rusher while you have Farrell kind of playing the, the base down. So, yeah, I think they've missed him quite a bit. Here's a, here's the thing. I'll jump back in on that. You know, before and I were saying the defensive end's role is not to set the edge. So what does Farrell do? That's what he does, right? Like that's what he does, and he does it well. So how can you praise him because he does that? Because he's certainly not a pass rusher. He's not a great inside penetrator. That's what he does. <laughs> you were starting him. So why why isn't that the defensive end's role? I I, I this is what I get confused about. I, I just don't think they like to talk about the scheme, but I do think. In large part, the ends are supposed to set the edge, largely supposed to set the edge. I think Bosa is given more freedom, but Bosa can, has more freedom because, you know what, he can go inside and then still get outside. Like, he's that kind of athlete. Uh, Chase Young is that kind of athlete, but often he just sells out inside and they go right around him. I got to believe that he's not supposed to do that. I just, I'm going to keep believing that until uh, uh, someone else uh, convinces me otherwise. But good question. Well, just about every question we got was about the defense and especially the uh, the run defense uh, in, in one uh, way, shape, or form. Uh, Blake Cunningham asked, why slow starts two weeks in a row? And will it be three weeks in a row when they finally play the Chiefs? Uh, any theories on why this team just – which has come out really well. I mean, I can't tell you how many times they – scored a touchdown on their opening drive, looked really sharp at the beginning of games. Boy, they've looked like uh, a preseason team uh, in, in the first half of these, uh, these two playoff games. I, well, I think offensively it's because they have not gotten the running game going early. They just haven't. They've been outrushed in both games, which is just amazing for a Shanahan team to be moving through the playoffs and not have, you know, have been outrushed in every game, and, and not by a little bit. Uh, I added up in 2019, their march to the, through the NFC, they outrushed their opponents, you know, the Vikings and the Packers in just outrageous running games, like 419 to 84 or something like that. It was some crazy number, and they're getting outrushed by a lot in, in these playoffs. Just haven't been able to get it going. Whether that's, I don't think teams are loading up against the run so much as they're just playing it wiser. I, it's, I, I, I have, you know, some eight man fronts, but I haven't seen crazy amount of. Like they're still covering, you know, they're getting back, they're dropping. Um, I think Purdy was not good uh, with the wet ball against Green Bay until the very end. I think Purdy was, was hesitant, obviously threw the pick, almost threw the pick on the first play uh, against Green Bay and then threw a pick on like the fifth pass, whatever it was, yesterday. 
there's something where he he's not quite warm offensively and defensively. Yeah, they're getting gashed. Like they're giving up those tosses, those crackbacks, and then once they're overcommitting to that, then they're giving up the runs. Like the the run, they're getting outplayed in the run game. Like what did Bosa say before their first playoff game? It was like when the playoff games, you got to stop the run and run the ball, and they're not doing either thing. They're they're getting through it with some massive talent, but I think the running game is really how Shanahan always wants to start a game. It's how he wants to finish a game. It's his whole thing. And they're getting beat early on the running game both ways. I think that would be my explanation for the slow starts. Yeah, I, I can't put my finger on the run defense um, because the, the whole excuse when that lapsed during the season was, okay, this team's seems exhausted. They've had all these games on the road, um, X amount of, t- uh, of games back to back. They got their rest. All these games are at home. They should be the fresher team. Uh, there, there's no excuse for kind of loafing on plays and tired legs and getting ground down the way the 49ers have. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's, um, it's puzzling. And I'm sure it's puzzling for the 49ers coaches as well. Um, these, these outside uh, runs, this should be something that the 49ers specialize in stopping. They go against it all summer long. Mm-hmm. They play the Rams twice a year. Um, you know, they, they were getting ready to play the Packers. None of this should be a surprise to them. Um, you know, the one play, and you referenced it, that has seemed to really flummox them is this, uh, this crackback uh, toss where the receivers – um, sort of near the uh, the formation, he comes in and he he, he jolts Bosa or Chase Young, um, and then the uh, the tailback kind of runs in that direction. What's supposed to happen is that if the receiver is sort of uh, you know handling some blocking, then the guy who's covering him, cornerback, is is supposed to come up and sort of fill that that position. Um, and th- that's been happening. And 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 Kyle Shanahan said that that worked better against the Lions than it did against the Packers. The problem was that when that guy, when the tailback went b- cut back inside, now that the edge is being taken care of by a cornerback, there was no pursuit. There's nobody like, mm. there's nobody kind of filling in that space. Um, and, that, and that's what I think got him really bothered by what he was seeing. And, and again, that's, um, that's effort. Um, and, you know, maybe at the end of the season, we're almost in February right now, that effort is starting to, to wane, but boy, if there's a time to uh, to summon it, it's uh, it's on February 11. Yeah, it's a bit, it would be terrible to be uh, at full full go in the Super Bowl. That that would probably be advisable. Uh, we got any more questions, or Bears? No, that was it. Okay. Those are, those are the two good defense. ones. Defense, defense, defense. Hey, the, you got to say though, they did fix something in the second half. Absolutely, only give seven points. And that was on a last minute. No, no, two fourth downs that they could have kicked field goals or could have, you know, those could have turned to touchdowns. Uh, but they stiffened up, you know, they stopped the run. They got yeah. into they got into Jared Goff. Like you have to give them credit for that. Uh, I was I you know, I admit I was thinking at halftime, like Steve Wilkes maybe is not back as defensive coordinator. Uh, now I don't think that, you know, it's prisoner of the moment, I know. Uh, I think Wilkes is a solid defensive coordinator. I don't know they could do better, but that was really bad in the first half. That was really, really bad at the ultimate moment. Uh, you know, it it just uh, it looked like a team that was unorganized. It looked like a team that was you know blowing it, just frankly blowing it. And some of that was coaching, but then they turned it around 
and and they make the plays. I don't quite, yeah, I don't. Ben Johnson looked like he could do anything he wanted uh, schematically in the first half, and then things just tightened up. The space tightened up. Hard to uh, you know figure out exactly what happened. Four Niners just played better. I think the offense put the pressure on the lines too. Like the Four Niners just scoring really you know kind of made the lines gulp a little like wait a minute now like what do we do and that's a young team first playoff run with this coaching staff uh you know jared goff is an experienced quarterback though it's not like it wasn't his first you know it was his first big game it there's some other more experienced players there but do felt like they felt it they just felt something the crowd got into it i do think this was i was telling somebody this was the loudest levi's has been like for an entire game I, you know, there's been loud moments when they made these, you know, they win the NFC championship in 2019. It was loud. There's been other very loud moments, although there were definitely loud moments in this game. Dre Greenlaw's interception at the end of the Packers game was very loud. But I just think there was just this constant noise. Both match, like before the game, he's like, were they piping in noise? And I don't think so. I think it was all those Lions fans, which we haven't seen so many opponent fans, certainly not for a playoff game at Levi's. That just kind of challenged the 400 fans. Yeah. If they didn't make noise, then you were going to hear Lions fans. And you really could have heard Lions fans throughout the first half. I think it, it, it's, it just set something like, wait a minute, the 400 fans have to be here. They can't just laze into this game. They can't just roll up and eat their crab claws and drink their wine. And, you know, first quarter, that's right. Like, they had to be there early. It did feel a little bit like, you know, I love the Seattle crowd because, man, an hour before the game, it's energy. It's noise. There's a buzz. Levi's isn't quite like that all the time. It was like that yesterday. I think it was the best full game buzz I felt at Levi's. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good call because the the Lions fans did show up and um, they added to the noise. And I think you're right. I mean, they they sort of uh, challenged the 49ers fans to uh, to step up their game, and and they did. Um, and did you notice the the field looked great? Finally, my, my field, field story. It's a given. It's a given. <laughs> Barrel's already buried. It was, not, it was not a factor in this game. Nobody noticed it's a the good field. field. I've been saying want. that to me. It was the terrible field for the first two or three years. But once they got that Super Bowl, they got the right sod in. I think. I think they yeah they figured out the formula, whatever it is, and they replaced it a lot, which you know. I think is a, a commitment from Jed York. They're going to pay the money to have good grass. And the, the your guy, the, the the head groundskeeper or whatever he is, is good. They've they've got the grass down. And they didn't slip this time. It wasn't raining either, but there was a little slip sliding going on last game. Yeah, uh, complaining, complaining about a slippery field in the rain is like <laughs> uh, complaining that your ice cube is cold. I mean, well, oh, it, it was just that only the 49ers were slipping. That it's was going to be... It's going to be cold. I mean, that's oh. sort of the the, na- the nature of the beast. 49ers clearly uh, did not have the right cleats on for, for much of that game. But they win. We were saying all these things, all these weird stuff happening to the 49ers in these playoffs, and they're in the Super Bowl. So yeah. I'm not going to uh, make any pick on this game until much closer to the game. I, well, I, I know what I won't say is, well, they got their bad one out of the way. Because I said that after the Green Bay game, and we saw it worse in the first half. So I'm not going to say, ah, you know what, the Foreigners are at their A game right now. I don't know that we're going to see their A game. I think the Chiefs' defense is really good. Obviously, Mahomes is fantastic. Uh, I'm not going to just say, eh, they're just more talented. This is the Foreigners one. Uh, this time, that is not going to be the argument. I might pick them, but I'm not going to pick them like that. All right. That sounds good. All right, Barrows, there's the show for today. Our tired selves dragging through this week. 
uh, and there's a Super Bowl to come. We'll, we'll, we'll figure out how to hit peak mode uh, in, in just a few days. Right now, we're dragging. Yeah, we just need a little uh, three weeks of rest, and then we're going <laughs> to be great. Please, after please, that. please. All right. Well, we'll, we'll delay the Super Bowl so we, you and we, I. We handled this, uh, this podcast like Chase Young running down the line of scrimmage <laughs> on a crackback toss. <laughs> I'm ready to make the play. I'm ready to – how come you're 18 yards away from me? All right. There you go. You got our flat performance. You got the Barrows Cow coming. Four hundred plus minus flat performance out of the way. And now the next one, Barrels, the next one. Steve Wilkes has got us in a meeting. We're going to figure stuff out. We're putting stuff on the whiteboard for the next one. Super Bowl. It's going to be Super Bowl-worthy podcast. Yeah, no, this one sure, sure wasn't. All right, everybody. That's your show. Say goodbye, Barrels. See you guys. Mm-hmm.